Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week six, day five of our study of 2 Corinthians. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about 2 Corinthians 8, 22-24. Well, welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to see you in your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. we reading today from the NIV. This is 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 22. In addition, we are sending with them our brother, who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. I find this interesting. He said this twice now in this in, in the same breath here. He said, you know, we're sitting our brother, but he didn't tell him us the name. I, I find that so strange. Paul is, it's so normal for Paul to, to speak people's names. And so it makes you wonder, like, what, why wouldn't he tell us the name? Every other place in, in Paul's letters, he tells us the name. So is this guy, you know, wanted by the Roman government is, is you know, they, feel like he's a subversive or like, you know, what's going on with this particular guy? They're sending this guy. It's almost like the Paul and the Corinthians, they know who they're talking about, wink, wink, and, and, and they're sending him. Um, I, I just, I don't have an answer for that. I just, I find it very interesting the way Paul, uh, the way Paul says it. Verse 23, as for Titus, he is my partner and coworker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and an honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. And what he's saying is uh, Titus has just come from them and brought word about what's going on. And he's sending Titus back along with this other guy, the, you know, quote unquote other guy. And, um, and he's asking them to give Titus the money. He wants the Titus to come and collect the offering. That's the whole purpose for this, this visit that he's going to send Titus on back with this other guy. And he's saying, you know, let like go ahead and, and make sure that you fulfill the, 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 the pride that I have in you. Uh, the, you know, make sure that you don't disappoint me with the way that you give is essentially what he's saying. And again, I've, I've said that, you know, if there's baggage, if we have baggage about the way money's been done or the way that, you know, th- those kinds of things, they get, get so sticky. And I don't think they were any less sticky for people back in those days. There were, there's always shysters, there's always scam artists, there's always people doing just stupid, terrible things. Always. There always have been, and there always will be until the Lord returns. And, you know, maybe for a little bit after the Lord returns until they realize he's not going to put up with that. I don't know. Um, you know, but, but at any rate, you know, during the millennial reign, not during eternity, but, uh, at any rate, you know, uh, so, so I think there was baggage for people back then, but obviously they didn't have televangelist baggage and just all of the, the stuff. We just have more of it now. But it's not that they didn't have it back then. And Paul alludes to that the way he spoke of it in our passage from yesterday is that he's trying to do this in, in every way imaginable, even to where uh, he's, he's honoring people. He's making you know, people think that he's on the up and up here. And that's, that's even more difficult because of all of our baggage. But he still presses them on this. He still presses them. And I think that's okay. And that is where 
abusing and misusing this authority or maybe privilege is, is so dangerous because believers as Christians, we are such a generous people because we understand, as Paul said, what has been done for us. We understand the salvation that we have inherited and it makes us inherently generous. And so I think this is okay to press people on this when it's for other people, when it's, we're doing it for others, we're doing it for ourselves, man, it's just gnarly and people do it all the time. People do it all the time and it gives us that baggage, but it's okay when we're doing it on behalf of those less fortunate, those that are needy. I mean, there are like Christians have taken more money and distributed it to more people in better ways in, in, in desperate places than any other group in human history. Just hands down, hands down. No government, no other religion. There, 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 it just doesn't exist where the amount of money going toward people with felt physical needs uh, have, have been dealt with outside of what Christianity has done. And so... Chapter eight and nine, I think they are challenging to read with the baggage that I know that I carry from just watching just misuse and mishandling. But at the same time, they're challenging to me to remember who we are as Christians and remember how right what Paul is saying is, because he is, he is really laying this on thick saying, guys, pony up, pony up. Like I have great pride in you because I know that you're wealthy and I know that you'll give. So don't let me down here because what we're giving to, it's important. It's really, really important what we're giving to these the, the people of Jerusalem. It really is important. And so he's really pressing on them for that. And I think that is totally appropriate. And it's why it really makes me mad when I see people do this in just terrible ways. Because there really are things that we can give money to that are so important and so powerful. I encourage you to find places, find ways to give your money that will impact people, that will impact people's lives and their felt needs. Um... This is not a small thing. People that study missions, movements, and, and, and missions, and missions opportunities, I've heard them say that um, in a place like the United States, where there's prosperity, where there's, where essentially where the status quo is just not half bad, that it takes 10 to 20 different points of contact before someone will become a Christian. Like if you're an atheist or, or whatever else, it takes 10 to 20 times where a Christian witnesses to you or, you know, gives you money for gas or does, you know, is, is, does a random act of kindness or all of those kinds of things, like 10 to 20 times for someone to become a Christian. And, and so when you really think about that, uh, that is almost an insurmountable barrier. How, how many people 
are going to come into contact with a Christian that's not that they don't really know, right? It's not a friend. It's it's just this this random person. How many people are going to have ten to twenty encounters in in twenty years with people that are going to do that, right? Uh, that that are just outside of their small group of friends and the people that they interact with. It is it is it is a, a huge barrier to people becoming believers. But the, the, the people who study the missions, they also know that in, in more intense situations where the economies are collapsed or there's war, there's all sorts of trouble where, where people are in a pressure cooker societal wide, you know, they're in, in trouble or even people that are living in a, a place like the United States, or the West, where they have it good, but they are in some kind of personal pressure cooker. That number of encounters drops to one to two tops. Meaning it just takes two opportunities, two, one to two different times where people are like, Hey, do you know Jesus? Hey, can I provide this, this money for you to, to help you through this, this difficult time, right? You just, just one to two. That is, that is a, a very easily attainable bar, right? Going and finding the people that are struggling and hurting. Those are the people that are, that are close to the Lord, the, the, the lowly. They really are close to the Lord. They really are close to giving their lives to him because they realize everything that maybe they'd built their life on. It's, it's, it's a, it's a vapor. Like the Psalm says, it's not, it's not really, it can evaporate in a moment. It's like, wait a second. I don't know. I don't know what to put my hope in anymore. And that's, like those are the people that are open to hearing the gospel. Jesus is the, the one that we put our hope in because all of this stuff can go away. All of this stuff can go away, but he's the one that we put our hope in. So giving money to those kinds of things where you can meet those felt needs of those people that are in those situations that one to two encounters with a Christian and they may become a Christian themselves. Those are the powerful places. Those are the places we should be looking, looking for. Those are the opportunities we should be hunting down, in my opinion. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-week Bible study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's word. Thank you.